Chapter twenty eight of Dr. Thorne by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom. Chapter twenty eight. The doctor hears something to his advantage. Sir Louis Scatcherd had told his mother that he was rather out of sorts, and when he reached Boxall Hill, it certainly did not appear that he had given any exaggerated statement of his own maladies. He certainly was a good deal out of sorts. He had had more than one attack of delirium tremens since his father's death, and had almost been at death's door. Nothing had been said about this by Dr. Thorne at Boxall Hill, but he was by no means ignorant of his ward's state. Twice he had gone up to London to visit him, twice he had begged him to go down into the country and place himself under his mother's care on the last occasion the doctor had threatened him with all manner of pains and penalties with pains as to his speedy departure from this world and all its joys and with penalties in the shape of poverty if that departure should by any chance be retarded but these threats had at the moment been in vain and the doctor had compromised matters by inducing Sir Louis to promise that he would go to Brighton. The baronet, however, who was at length frightened by some renewed attack, gave up his Brighton scheme, and without any notice to the doctor, hurried down to Boxall Hill. Mary did not see him on the first day of his coming, but the doctor did. He received such intimation of the visit as enabled him to be at the house soon after the young man's arrival, and knowing that his assistance might be necessary, he rode over to Boxall Hill. It was a dreadful task to him, this of making the same fruitless endeavour for the son that he had made for the father, and in the same house. But he was bound by every consideration to perform the task he had promised the father that he would do for the son all that was in his power and he had moreover the consciousness that should sir louis succeed in destroying himself the next heir to all the property was his own niece mary thorne he found sir louis in a low wretched miserable state though he was a drunkard as his father was he was not at all such a drunkard as was his father the physical capacities of the men were very different the daily amount of alcohol which the father had consumed would have burnt up the son in a week whereas though the son was continually tipsy what he swallowed would hardly have had an injurious effect upon the father you are all wrong quite wrong said sir louis petulantly it isn't that at all i have taken nothing this week past literally nothing i think it's the liver dr thorne wanted no one to tell him what was the matter with his ward it was his liver his liver and his head and his stomach and his heart every organ in his body had been destroyed or was in the course of destruction his father had killed himself with brandy the son more elevated in his tastes was doing the same thing with curacao 
maraschino, and cherry bounce. Sir Louis, said the doctor, he was obliged to be much more punctilious with him than he had been with the contractor. The matter is in your own hands entirely. If you cannot keep your lips from that accursed poison, you have nothing in this world to look forward to. Nothing. Nothing. Mary proposed to return with her uncle to Greshamsbury, and he was at first well inclined that she should do so. But this idea was overruled, partly in compliance with Lady Scatcherd's entreaties, and partly because it would have seemed as though they had both thought the presence of its owner had made the house an unfit habitation for decent people. The doctor therefore returned, leaving Mary there, and Lady Scatcherd busied herself between her two guests. On the next day Sir Louis was able to come down to a late dinner, and Mary was introduced to him. He had dressed himself in his best array, and as he had, at any rate for the present moment, been frightened out of his libations, he was prepared to make himself as agreeable as possible. His mother waited on him almost as a slave might have done, but she seemed to do so with the fear of a slave rather than the love of a mother. She was fidgety in her attentions, and worried him by endeavouring to make her evening sitting-room agreeable. But Sir Louis, though he was not very sweetly behaved under these manipulations from his mother's hands, was quite complacent to Miss Thorne. Nay, after the expiration of a week, he was almost more than complacent. He piqued himself on his gallantry, and now found that in the otherwise dull seclusion of Boxall Hill he had a good opportunity of exercising it. To do him justice, it must be admitted that he would not have been incapable of a decent career had he stumbled upon some girl who could have loved him before he stumbled upon his maraschino bottle. Such might have been the case with many a lost rake. The things that are bad are accepted because the things that are good do not come easily in his way. How many a miserable father reviles with bitterness of spirit the low tastes of his son, who has done nothing to provide his child with higher pleasures. Sir Louis, partly in the hopes of Mary's smiles, and partly frightened by the doctor's threats, did for a while keep himself within decent bounds. He did not usually appear before Mary's eyes till three or four in the afternoon, but when he did come forth he came forth sober and resolute to please. His mother was delighted, and was not slow to sing his praises, and even the doctor, who now visited Boxall Hill more frequently than ever, began to have some hopes. One constant subject, I must not say of conversation on the part of Lady Scatcherd, but rather of declamation, had hitherto been the beauty and manly attributes of Frank Gresham. She had hardly ceased to talk to Mary of the infinite good qualities of the young squire, and especially of his prowess in the matter of Mr. Moffat. Mary had listened to all this eloquence, not perhaps with inattention, but without much reply. She had not been exactly sorry to hear Frank talked about. Indeed, had she been so minded, 
she could herself have said something on the same subject but she did not wish to take lady scatcherd altogether into her confidence and she had been unable to say much about frank gresham without doing so lady scatcherd had therefore gradually conceived the idea that her darling was not a favourite with her guest now therefore she changed the subject and as her own son was behaving with such unexampled propriety she dropped frank and confined her eulogies to louis he had been a little wild she admitted young men so often were so but she hoped that it was now over he does still take a little drop of those french drinks in the morning said lady scatcherd in her confidence for she was too honest to be false even in her own cause he does do that i know but that's nothing my dear to swell in all day and everything can't be done at once can it miss thorne on this subject mary found her tongue loosened she could not talk about frank gresham but she could speak with hope to the mother of her only son she could say that sir louis was still very young that there was reason to trust that he might now reform that his present conduct was apparently good and that he appeared capable of better things so much she did say and the mother took her sympathy for more than it was worth on this matter and on this matter perhaps alone sir louis and lady scatcherd were in accord there was much to recommend mary to the baronet not only did he see her to be beautiful and perceive her to be attractive and ladylike but she was also the niece of the man who for the present held the purse-strings of his wealth mary it is true had no fortune but sir louis knew that she was acknowledged to be a lady and he was ambitious that his lady should be a lady there was also much to recommend mary to the mother to any mother and thus it came to pass that miss thorne had no obstacle between her and the dignity of being lady scatcherd the second no obstacle whatever if only she could bring herself to wish it it was some time two or three weeks perhaps before mary's mind was first opened to this new brilliancy in her prospects sir louis at first was rather afraid of her and did not declare his admiration in any very determined terms he certainly paid her many compliments which from any one else she would have regarded as abominable but she did not expect great things from the baronet's taste she concluded that he was only doing what he thought a gentleman should do and she was willing to forgive much for lady scatcherd's sake his first attempts were perhaps more ludicrous than passionate he was still too much an invalid to take walks and mary was therefore saved from his company in her rambles but he had a horse of his own at boxall hill and had been advised to ride by the doctor mary also rode on a donkey only it is true but sir louis found himself bound in gallantry to accompany her mary's steed had answered every expectation and proved himself very quiet so quiet that without the admonition of a cudgel behind him he could hardly be persuaded into the demurest trot 
now as sir louis's horse was of a very different metal he found it rather difficult not to step faster than his inamorata and let him struggle as he would was generally so far ahead as to be debarred the delights of conversation when for the second time he proposed to accompany her mary did what she could to hinder it she saw that he had been rather ashamed of the manner in which his companion was mounted and she herself would have enjoyed her ride much more without him he was an invalid however it was necessary to make much of him and mary did not absolutely refuse his offer lady scatcherd said he as they were standing at the door previous to mounting he always called his mother lady scatcherd why don't you have a horse for miss thorne this donkey is is really is so very very can't go at all you know lady scatcherd began to declare that she would willingly have got a pony if mary would have let her do so oh no lady scatcherd not on any account i do like the donkey so much i do indeed but he won't go said sir louis and for a person who rides like you miss thorne such a horsewoman you know why you know lady scatcherd it's positively ridiculous dashed absurd you know and then with an angry look at his mother he mounted his horse and was soon leading the way down the avenue miss thorne said he pulling himself up at the gate if i had known that i was to be so extremely happy as to have found you here i would have brought you down the most beautiful creature an arab she belongs to my friend jenkins but i wouldn't have stood at any price in getting her for you by jove if you were on that mare i'd back you for style and appearance against anything in hyde park the offer of this sporting wager which naturally would have been very gratifying to mary was lost upon her for sir louis had again unwittingly got on in advance but he stopped himself in time to hear mary again declare her passion was a donkey if you could only see jenkins's little mare miss thorne only say one word and she shall be down here before the week's end price shall be no obstacle none whatever by jove what a pair you would be this generous offer was repeated four or five times but on each occasion mary only half heard what was said and on each occasion the baronet was far too much in advance to hear mary's reply at last he recollected that he wanted to call on one of the tenants and begged his companion to allow him to ride on if you at all dislike being left alone you know oh dear no not at all sir louis i am quite used to it because i don't care about it you know only i can't make this horse walk the same pace as that brute you mustn't abuse my pet sir louis it's a dashed shame on my mother's part said sir louis who even when in his best behaviour could not quite give up his ordinary mode of conversation when she was fortunate enough to get such a girl as you to come and stay with her she ought to have had something proper for her to ride upon 
but I'll look to it as soon as I am a little stronger. You see if I don't. And so saying, Sir Louis trotted off, leaving Mary in peace with her donkey. Sir Louis had now been living cleanly and forswearing sack for what was to him a very long period, and his health felt the good effects of it. No one rejoiced at this more cordially than did the doctor. To rejoice at it was with him a point of conscience. He could not help telling himself now and again that, circumstanced as he was, he was most specially bound to take joy in any sign of reformation which the baronet might show. Not to do so would be almost tantamount to wishing that he might die in order that Mary might inherit his wealth, and therefore the doctor did with all his energy devote himself to the difficult task of hoping and striving that Sir Louis might yet live to enjoy what was his own. But the task was altogether a difficult one, for as Sir Louis became stronger in health, so also did he become more exorbitant in his demands on the doctor's patience, and more repugnant to the doctor's tastes. In his worst fits of disreputable living he was ashamed to apply to his guardian for money, and in his worst fits of illness he was, through fear, somewhat patient under his doctor's hands but just at present he had nothing of which to be ashamed and was not at all patient doctor said he one day at boxall hill how about those greshamsbury title deeds oh that will all be properly settled between my lawyer and your own oh ah yes no doubt the lawyers will settle it saddle it with a fine bill of costs of course but as finney says finney was sir louis's legal adviser i have got a tremendously large interest at stake in this matter eighty thousand pounds is no joke it ain't everybody that can shell out eighty thousand pounds when they're wanted and i should like to know how the thing's going on i've a right to ask you know eh doctor the title deeds of a large portion of the greshamsbury estate will be placed with the mortgage deeds before the end of next month oh that's all right i choose to know about these things for though my father did make such a confounded will there's no reason i shouldn't know how things are going you shall know everything that i know sir louis and now doctor what are we to do about money about money yes money rhino ready put money in your purse and cut a dash eh doctor not that i want to cut a dash no i'm going on the quiet line altogether now i've done with all that sort of thing i'm heartily glad of it heartily said the doctor yes i'm not going to make way for my far-away cousin yet not if i know it at least i shall soon be all right now doctor shan't i all right is a long word sir louis but i do hope you will be all right in time if you will live with decent prudence you shouldn't take that filth in the morning though filth in the morning that's my mother i suppose that's her ladyship 
she's been talking has she don't you believe her doctor there's not a young man in barsetshire is going more regular all right within the posts than i am the doctor was obliged to acknowledge that there did seem to be some improvement and now doctor how about money eh dr thorne like other guardians similarly circumstanced began to explain that sir louis had already had a good deal of money and had begun also to promise that more should be forthcoming in the event of good behaviour when he was somewhat suddenly interrupted by sir louis well now i'll tell you what doctor i've got a bit of news for you something that i think will astonish you the doctor opened his eyes and tried to look as though ready to be surprised something that will really make you look about and something too that will be very much to the hearer's advantage as the newspaper advertisements say something to my advantage said the doctor well i hope you'll think so doctor what would you think now of my getting married i should be delighted to hear of it more delighted than i can express that is of course if you were to marry well it was your father's most eager wish that you should marry early that's partly my reason said the young hypocrite but then if i marry i must have an income fit to live on eh doctor the doctor had some fear that his interesting protege was desirous of a wife for the sake of the income instead of desiring the income for the sake of the wife but let the cause be what it would marriage would probably be good for him and he had no hesitation therefore in telling him that if he married well he should be put in possession of sufficient income to maintain the new lady scatcherd in a manner becoming her dignity as to marrying well said sir louis you i take it will be the last man doctor to quarrel with my choice shall i said the doctor smiling well you won't disapprove i guess as the yankee says what would you think of miss mary thorne it must be said in sir louis's favour that he had probably no idea whatever of the estimation in which such young ladies as mary thorne are held by those who are nearest and dearest to them he had no sort of conception that she was regarded by her uncle as an inestimable treasure almost too precious to be rendered up to the arms of any man and infinitely beyond any price in silver and gold baronets incomes of eight or ten thousand a year and such coins usually current in the world's markets he was a rich man and a baronet and mary was an unmarried girl without a portion in sir louis's estimation he was offering everything and asking for nothing he certainly had some idea that girls were apt to be coy and required a little wooing in the shape of presents civil speeches perhaps kisses also the civil speeches he had he thought done and imagined that they had been well received the other things were to follow an arab pony for instance and the kisses probably with it and then all these difficulties would be smoothed 
but he did not for a moment conceive that there would be any difficulty with the uncle how should there be was he not a baronet with ten thousand a year coming to him had he not everything which fathers want for portionless daughters and uncles for dependent nieces might he not well inform the doctor that he had something to tell him for his advantage and yet to tell the truth the doctor did not seem to be overjoyed when the announcement was first made to him he was by no means overjoyed on the contrary even sir louis could perceive his guardian's surprise was altogether unmixed with delight what a question was this that was asked him what would he think of a marriage between mary thorne his mary and sir louis scatcherd between the alpha of the whole alphabet and him whom he could not but regard as the omega think of it why he would think of it as though a lamb and a wolf were to stand at the altar together had sir louis been a hottentot or an esquimau the proposal could not have astonished him more the two persons were so totally of a different class that the idea of the one falling in love with the other had never occurred to him what would you think of miss mary thorne sir louis had asked and the doctor instead of answering him with ready and pleased alacrity stood silent thunderstruck with amazement well wouldn't she be a good wife said sir louis rather in a tone of disgust at the evident disapproval shown at his choice i thought you'd have been so delighted mary thorne ejaculated the doctor at last have you spoken to my niece about this sir louis well i have and yet i haven't i haven't and yet in a manner i have i don't understand you said the doctor why you see i haven't exactly popped to her yet but i have been doing the civil and if she's up to snuff as i take her to be she knows very well what i'm after by this time up to snuff mary thorne his mary thorne up to snuff to snuff too of such a very disagreeable description i think sir louis that you are in mistake about this i think you will find that mary will not be disposed to avail herself of the great advantages for great they undoubtedly are which you are able to offer to your intended wife if you will take my advice you will give up thinking of mary she would not suit you not suit me oh but i think she just would she's got no money you mean no i did not mean that it will not signify to you whether your wife has money or not you need not look for money but you should think of someone more nearly of your own temperament i am quite sure that my niece would refuse you these last words the doctor uttered with much emphasis 
his intention was to make the baronet understand that the matter was quite hopeless and to induce him if possible to drop it on the spot but he did not know sir louis he ranked him too low in the scale of human beings and gave him no credit for any strength of character sir louis in his way did love mary thorne and could not bring himself to believe that mary did not or at any rate would not soon return his passion he was moreover sufficiently obstinate firm we ought perhaps to say for his pursuit in this case was certainly not an evil one and he at once made up his mind to succeed in spite of the uncle if she consents however you will do so too asked he it is impossible she should consent said the doctor impossible i don't see anything at all impossible but if she does but she won't very well that's to be seen but just tell me this if she does will you consent the stars would fall first it's all nonsense give it up my dear friend believe me you are only preparing unhappiness for yourself and the doctor put his hand kindly on the young man's arm she will not cannot accept such an offer will not cannot said the baronet thinking over all the reasons which in his estimation could possibly be inducing the doctor to be so hostile in his views and shaking the hand off his arm will not cannot but come doctor answer my question fairly if she'll have me for better or worse you won't say odd against it will you but she won't have you why should you give her and yourself the pain of a refusal oh as for that i must stand my chances like another and as for her why dash doctor you wouldn't have me believe that any young lady thinks it so very dreadful to have a baronet with ten thousand pounds a year at her feet especially when that same baronet ain't very old nor yet particularly ugly i ain't so green as that doctor i suppose she must go through it then said the doctor musing but dr thorne i did look for a kinder answer from you considering all that you so often say about your great friendship with my father i did think you'd at any rate answer me when i asked you a question but the doctor did not want to answer that special question could it be possible that mary should wish to marry this odious man could such a state of things be imagined to be the case he would not refuse his consent infinitely as he would be disgusted by her choice but he would not give sir louis any excuse for telling mary that her uncle approved of so odious a match i cannot say that in any case i should approve of such a marriage sir louis i cannot bring myself to say so for i know it would make you both miserable but on that matter my niece will choose wholly for herself and about the money doctor if you marry a decent woman you shall not want the means of supporting her decently and so saying the doctor walked away 
leaving Sir Louis to his meditations. End of chapter 28 Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom